Welcome to the Indie Author Max podcast. Join me and my friends as I journey from amateur writer to published author. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the bullwhip crack like this. Let's begin now. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. It is the 26th of November 2021 as I record this, so about a month out from Christmas, which is exciting. In the interview section of today's show, I'll be talking to a new friend of mine called Zara J. Black, who is writing a series of dark fantasy novels. Um, It's an interesting conversation that we have today because she's in a very similar spot to me where she is ready to release her first novel um, and we, we get to talk about some of the challenges we face, some of the things we've learned along the way and just the, yeah, that joy of actually writing your, your first book and, and having it ready to publish. But before we get to that, I'd like to start with this today. What is it you can't face? What I can't face at the moment is just trying to have the patience to let things happen and um, wait and see what happens with my book. I, at the moment, I'm you know, checking in every day to see how the sales are, and I'm you know, looking at my advertising and see whether people are responding to those and things like that. So um, yeah, just, just struggling with a bit of patience. Uh, some, some good things that are happening are though that you know the, the book's been up on sale now for a month. Um, I'm seeing sales every day, which is great. Um, I have um, got some offers to, to, to put the book in some bookshops and some libraries, so that's exciting. And uh, the first few people that, that have read Cinder and Black are now starting to finish the book, um, and I'm getting lots of great feedback about that they you know they enjoyed it and that they really um, yeah got got out of it what I hoped they would. So that's really exciting and encouraging. Um, I'd like to thank people that have bought Cinder and Black and um, thank you for for people that are tuning into the podcast as well. We'll head to the interview section now but just before we do if you're an author or an editor or um, involved in the independent publishing um, world and you would like to be part of the podcast then yeah feel free to email me on maxvictorbooks at gmail.com and remember that's max with two x's hi zara welcome to the show thank you for joining us hello thanks for having me on that's okay um just to start off with can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your books um sure yeah so i'm um live in the Gold Coast, Australia with my husband and I've got um, two little kids. Um, I moved over from the UK 12 years ago. Um, so yeah, born and bred from Manchester. Um, but I've lived on the Gold Coast now for 12 years. And it's definitely my home. Um, yeah, definitely think of Australia as, as home these days. Yeah. Um, when I'm not writing, we run a couple of family businesses together, um, my husband and I, which is good fun. Um, and in my spare time, I do a bit of aerial silks um, to sort of keep myself fit and have a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the books, um, I'm just about to release 
my very first one. It comes out in January. Um, it's called Ruled by Magic, and it's the first of a trilogy of three books. Um, yeah. So it falls into the dark romance genre, um, but it's dark, it's dark fantasy romance. So I sort of think of it as dark romance with a twist of magic. Um, yeah. It's not kind of flowers and chocolates romance. It explores the darker side of relationships, um, unequal power dynamics, coercion, that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, Um, it's in a fantasy setting. I've got a pretty well-developed world and a a good magic system going on. Um, It does have a plot and it's also got a lot of spicy scenes. Yeah, okay, (laughs) which is always exciting (laughs) for people. (laughs) Now, you will have to explain to us the, the aerial silks. I think I know what that is, but can you give us a bit of an explanation of that? Oh, <laughs> okay. So it's um, you've got the the ribbons that hang from the ceiling, and you yes. sort of do tricks on them. You've probably seen. Usually, people think of pink when yeah. they think of it because she yeah. does it in her shows. Um, yeah. yeah, or at the extreme end of being really, really good at it is um, the Cirque du Soleil. But yeah, definitely not that level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just very much a hobby. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's really good fun. I always tell everyone to do it. You don't have to be super fit to start. Yeah. Um, like I certainly wasn't. I couldn't do one single chin up or anything like that when I started. Um, but yeah, you just gain the strength through doing it, and it's a real yeah. good luck. <laughs> Sounds like lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, you you're about to uh, release your first novel um, in the series. So can you tell us a bit about how long it took you to write that first book. Um. So. I've been writing for pretty much two years, almost two years, but the first draft of the first book I actually smashed out in four months um, and I have no idea how I did it. Like I can't write a book that quick now. Um, It's just, it was like just word vomit. It kind of just spewed out. It didn't even have chapters. (laughs) Yeah, it just happened and it was really terrible. Um, I've got, I had two friends that I, that read it and they were so kind about it and I say to them now like god you were nice Uh, (laughs) it was really terrible but you know at the end of the day it got it done um you know and the fact that they'd read it and I could chat with them about it was really really encouraging because they enjoyed it and you know we we had a good time talking about it and like I'd written a book which was exciting um yeah and then it was just from that point really that I started actually learning to write I suppose like once I'd actually got to that point where I had a completed manuscript and I knew what I wanted the story to be I joined quite a lot of Facebook writing groups mm-hmm. um, which I found incredibly helpful I got so many people that you know were happy to give up their time for free to give me advice on how to write and yeah. point me in the right direction for articles on you know uh, things like show don't tell don't use adverbs you know get rid of those um you know the he saids and the she saids all the really basic stuff that you just don't know until you read about it or until someone tells you where to look um you know I I think just by reading a lot and being interested in stories you do get a, a reasonable sense of how to tell a story but the technical stuff you you just have to learn it you know, you have to yeah. put a little bit of work in and actually learn how to do it. And then once you get that down, um, yeah, once I got to that stage, I found my writing got an awful lot better. Once I'd done that little bit of learning and put that time in and ended up redrafting it, 
probably I would say three complete redrafts. Yeah. Um, so it went from really terrible to not too bad, but still pretty amateurish. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> when I look back at it now, I read it, I, I can sort of, I can feel that it was still a learning book, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then the the pretty much final draft um, was a lot better. And I also switched the point of view from third to first. Oh, um, so yeah, that would have been a whole rewrite. Of- oh, yeah, that was fun, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I realised in the sort of intervening time, I'd done an awful lot of research into my actual genre, read a lot more within that genre and, and got yeah. into those readers' groups and started to find out what readers actually wanted. And one of the things that came through very clearly was that people do not like third person when they're reading romance. It's They feel like it distances them for the characters and the emotions and they're just not, it, it's unpopular. You know, it feels yeah. feels old-fashioned, I think, to a lot of people. They remember reading their mom's romance novels, you know, that were in that style, but yeah. it doesn't fit with what they want from the genre now. So, yeah, kind of made the decision to switch everything over, which was good fun because I already had um, two and a half completed books by that stage. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I got there in the end, and it's so much better for it. Like I, I can't imagine switching back to third person now. It yeah. would just feel very stilted compared to the way writing in first person feels. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, because, you know, you, you sort of, as you're writing that thing, you just would write it without even necessarily thinking about that i i um recently going back over this is the the, the second one of my series i'm writing and um i found that i kept switching between um present tense and past tense and i was just like you know like it was so, I, I don't mind a little bit of that if it's you know if say the prologue is in one tense and then the rest is in but you know between chapters i was sort of swapping backwards and forth going you know while i was writing it it sounded fine but reading it back was like oh no that sort of throws me right out so yeah it yeah it would pull you out of the story a little bit that i yeah. think you have to readjust it's a bit of a um a hot button thing isn't it the present tense i know it's it's kind of quite trendy at the moment to write things in in present tense but i just don't i'm not a fan no, <laughs> i do prefer no. the past tense yeah like i i don't mind like i said i don't mind like a short section of it or something to sort of but yeah, I, I, I much rather, yeah, if I, you know, if I have the choice to be, it feels, it feels more comfortable, you know, in past tense, I think. Yeah, I can handle um, romance in present tense, but whenever I pick up a fantasy novel in present tense, I just, I don't know why, I, it throws me out of it. Weirdly, it doesn't yeah. bother me as much when it's romance, I don't know why. Um, um, but well, I guess yeah. it's like you were saying about, you know, it's, it's what you expect for those mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's That's pretty it. uncommon in fantasy where it's probably about 50-50 in romance now between the two. Okay. Yeah, well, that's a good point. I have heard that one before, so that's a good one. <laughs> um, so you have had it edited. As, so what sort of editing have you gone through with it? It's with the editor at the moment. Um, yep. So it's been sort of very heavily poked at prior to that. It's had three sets of beta readers um it's been through editing software and it's now with the editor so I've gone for copy and line editing um I didn't think developmental was necessary because the plot's not that complicated it's it's a romance it's you know it's a fantasy romance so there's it's probably a little bit more plot than you get you know in your average contemporary but it's not over the top do you know what I mean I've not got 
it's, it's you're not talking the Stormlight Chronicles where you've got 50 different characters and it's, you know, this super confusing thing. So that's why I decided not to worry about a developmental editor. Um, yep. And, yeah, I just went straight for the copy and line editing because I, I, one of my problems as an author, one of the things that I do is I tend to repeat myself a bit. Okay. So I'll have like a crutch phrase that I find myself slipping back to saying, you know, <laughs> I think wasn't. we all do it. And then when you're reading it back, you know, you kind of go, oh, I just need to find where I wrote that. And you do the search doc and it comes out 47 incidences and you're like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I, my one was, you know, I always, you know, somebody nodded in agreement or nodded or, you know, and, yeah. you know, like going back through, I looked how many, how many times I'd put they nodded or he nodded or she nodded and it was, it was yeah. of them. I'm going, these poor people will all have sore necks. They're all just sitting around <laughs> nodding at each other, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Or they sighed. That's a good yeah. one. He sighed. He shrugged. He shrugged, yep. So, <laughs> Yeah, you need to come up with some little more exciting ways that they're interacting with each other. <laughs> yeah, half the time you can just take them out. Yeah, I think yeah. one of my um, beta readers made a good point about it. She said, like, it's almost like you just feel like you have to put something there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you before every line of speech, you almost feel like you have to have a gesture, but you don't. You can, right. if there's only two people talking, we know who's saying what. It's not, we're not stupid. We can figure That's it out. And if, <laughs> and if your if your dialogue's engaging enough, if it's if it's moving the story forward enough, intriguing enough, you you don't you don't need them doing anything. You know, occasionally, so it doesn't seem like they're just sat there for hours. But yeah, 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 you can fill it with too much, can't you? Yeah, oh, definitely, and that's yeah, that's definitely one of the little things that I noticed that I do, and I thought that's something that an editor will pick up, um, yeah. Yeah. you know. And there's, it's just other things. It's I know I tend to be a bit short and snappy with my sentences a lot, so yeah. you know, I, I I tend to be a bit staccato, and um, so I'm hoping that she'll notice that and find ways to structure things slightly more elegantly. Um, so that it keeps that flow. Um, yeah. Little things, you know, it's nothing that's going to make a huge difference to the actual story, but hopefully it'll make a difference to the experience of the reader when they're reading it. You know, yeah. it'll be nicer, it'll sound better in their head. Yeah, a bit enjoy it, more enjoyable for them. Yeah. 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 Um, and you, you mentioned there's software. So, what software have you used? Um, so I do all my writing in Google Docs um, yeah. just because I find it so easy to share okay. and to uh, manipulate. And, you know, I've got an alpha reader who she's my critique buddy and she reads absolutely every single thing I ever write. Yeah. Um, so I've always got two docs on the go. I've got the main doc and then I've got the doc for Andy and, you know, and then I've got separate things for bits and pieces that I share in Facebook groups or things that I've sent to different people. And just with Google Docs, it's so easy to have that all in one place. Okay. Um, and I find for beta readers, it's great too because everybody can use it. It doesn't, you know, they don't have to download a special app. Because no. um, I, I, I notice um, a few people have been using a beta.io app yep. and a couple of people have said they're struggling to get engagement with it. And I, like, I think it's probably just because people don't want to download a special thing. Yeah. They're quite happy with just using the tried and tested methods. Um, and at the end of the day, a beta reader is doing you a favor. Like, they're giving up their time to, to read something. For them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, I've just found people like Google Docs. So what I do is I give <laughs> – I made the mistake 
second time around, well, I had I had about fifteen beta readers, yes. and I gave them all one doc, <laughs> and they all wrote on the same doc, oh, and. Yeah. Oh, it was chaos and the doc is so slow to open and everybody's replying to each other's comments and getting into like little debates and going, oh, well, that's, I don't know if I'm sure about that. And it, it just going off the track so badly. And and there was points where I'm going, is this actually a big deal? Or has one person mentioned it and then everybody else has just chimed in because someone yeah. else has mentioned it? Yeah. Do you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah, my one of my big tips would be, give everyone their own doc because then when you go through it, like what I did with this last edit, yeah. I went through the whole thing and any little minor things that were just typos or in little things, I just sort of fixed them as I went through. But all the major plot-related things, I put them all into a spreadsheet yeah. and I noted how many people had said it. So if there was, you know, I had I think 12, 12 people completed the document or 13 um quite a lot of things only one of those people mentioned and with those I tended to not worry about it too much because if 12 people's read it and not thought that was an issue it's probably just a matter of personal taste um but there was a few things that you know you're getting up to the point of five or six people have said hey this is you know I didn't like this bit or whatever and you're going okay now that's a problem (laughs) because that's you know that's like 40 percent of the people who've read it don't like it so it's gonna have to change (laughs) Yeah, um, I I sort of I, I know my way of doing that was I, I yep got all my beta readers to read it and then got them together in a group and we had that sort of discussion and I and you know actually luckily I had my wife taking notes and things because I couldn't keep up with everything they were saying but um, that yeah the idea of giving them all a separate doc I think is a good idea though because you're right they're not it's not just going to be getting those arguments between people or those you know, people just chiming in, like you said, um, mm. people actually just get their opinion and very difficult in today's um, environment to get a whole group of people together anyway. So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I like the idea of that. Well, um, they're all in different time zones. You know what I mean? I've got people in America, people in the UK, one girl in Cambodia. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that, that's really, that's really good too, I think, because you are, you are getting, your audience isn't going to be just you know the person next door or your your neighbor it's it's it is it's going to be that that whole worldwide audience so that's yeah i think that's a really good idea to get that spread of people um, yeah i mean the us is just the biggest market by a long stretch i um was chatting with a a published author who i know um and she says she only gets a fraction of her income from australia it's it's like yeah. 2% or something and then the us is like 88% and then everywhere else is 10 so it's just it, you know, I'm actually getting the book edited to American spellings and grammar. It's really funny you mention that because that that was just the discussion I was having with my editor yesterday. Was, um, yeah, am I keeping it Australian or am I changing it to American? You know, so um, mm. and, and what are you going to go for? Well, I, I've, I've, it's strange because in in my mind it's set in Australia, and I haven't. Mm. I've, I've deliberately though not. It's I've made up a place, but I've made it up like it could be in the real world. And in my mind, it's in Australia, um, but it could be anywhere. It could be a small beach town, you know, anywhere in the world. Um, yeah. But so I've, I've sort of gone with the Australian one going, because, well, I've, I've gone there, but still part of me is like, mm-hmm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know so, uh, it's oh, it's oh. difficult. Yeah. And the, 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 the conventions for the actual punctuation is really weird. 
for if you go um, British or Australian. I didn't know. I've always just used the double quotes and stuff. But yeah, that's actually yeah. American. Yeah, and that was, I mean, I, I from the start, I used double quotes. And then, yeah, the, um, my editor sort of went to me, yeah, like, well, do you want to change this? Because you've written this all in Australia. You know, I was using... I was using meters and centimeters and I was using, um, you know, I was spelling words like color and things you know, like that in the Australian spelling or the British spelling. Um, so yeah, I think I kind of, you just have to get to a point where you just decide one or the other, don't you? So yeah, yeah. you've just got to pick a lane and I took a long time to pick a lane. It was basically when my editor said, which are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> was when I finally went, Oh, American, American, let's just do it. <laughs> what what did worry me also is that I, I you know I'd heard people saying about um, people giving them bad reviews because they've they've said they they don't know how to spell you know and, and it's because they've used non American spelling of things. Oh so, yeah, I've had beta readers correcting stuff to yeah. the American spelling, and I'm like, no, nah, that's that's actually a different, just a very acceptable way to spell it. But it's no point. I don't you know you don't argue with people, you just ignore yeah. it. But yeah, that's that did worry me as well because. Um, you'd hate that. So oh, this is, you know, a good story, but the spelling's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not. Yeah. Um, and I got to the point the other day because we're, you know, talking about this with, you know, I'd written mum a fair few times in my my book, you know, M U M. Could we change that to mom? And I'm like, should I just call it change them all to mother? Because then it doesn't matter. But <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, no. So I think I think I'm going to settle on Australian and maybe rethink that if I do a, um, you know, a, a, re, a you know, redo of it some time down the track. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. shouldn't really matter. No. But, yeah, I, it's not something that I notice when I read, but I wonder if American people do, you know, because they're so used to seeing it spelt their own way that yeah. it's jarring when they see it yeah. a different way, you know, because the majority of stuff you read is always that American spelling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, It'll be one of those things that I'll I'll relook at again when I, you know, down the track. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've touched on this a little bit, um, but what do you think is the best advice that you'd give to other people wanting to become published authors? I I was thinking about this actually for quite a long time um, because there's so many things you could say, but I think the best thing would just be to stay focused on the fact that the goal is to actually get a book out there because what I see with an awful lot of people in writing groups, and it seems particularly prevalent with people writing fantasy, um, but everyone is just getting this eternal loop of editing their stuff. Um, And and I could feel it happening to me, to be honest. I sort of made a snap decision to get the book up for pre-order because it's like every time you write something new, you improve such a lot. You know, your writing gets better. Yep. So that when you look back at something you wrote six months ago, you go, oh, I don't know. Oh, God, I could change a lot of this. And, the, and you know, you, you constantly get into that. I could just make this a bit better. I could tweak it. I could change it. And it, you need to do that to a point because you've got to get it up to that standard where it's, you know, good enough to publish. But I think you kind of have to set a line. And once yep. you pass that line, then you've just yep. got to release it. Because otherwise, you, you know, I see people that have been writing the same trilogy for 12 years, you know, I, like, I, couldn't, <laughs> yes. I couldn't be bothered. Yes, I, no. <laughs> I get bored, you know, I need, need it out and I need it done and I need to be writing something else. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, that it was sort of, I kind of just one day was sitting there and I went, um, the original plan was to write the entire thing, get the whole thing edited and then rapid release it one month apart. Okay. I I don't know if I'm ever going to get it out there if I do that, because by the time book three is finished, I'm going to start seeing problems with book one. Yes. No. Um, So that's why I thought, no, once it's out there, it's done. I can't change it. I can't decide to add a different character or change the ending or screw about with it. It's out there. So that would be my my main piece of advice would just be really stay focused on on the goal, not the process of writing, because writing's fun and it's fun to fiddle about with your stuff and talk about it with your little group of people who read your stuff and it's comforting and it's nice and it's safe because nobody's ever going to really tell you it's shit if it's only the people that sort of know you that's reading it but you know (laughs) you've you've got to get it out there into the world at some point i'm um, this is this is a theme that's coming through a lot of these interviews that i'm doing Uh, you know i'm almost, almost thinking i should rename the the name of the podcast to um it's good enough just get it out there you know because that's, that is the, the theme that everyone yeah and and you're, you're quite right you know if you waited till you got book three all right then you're right book one is going to be so long ago that it's not going to be right anymore because you're a completely different writer you've got some different ideas about it you've probably thought about a million things you want to change in book one so yeah it's it's better just to to, to get it out when it's when it's good enough, I think. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, some people write so fast. I see people in, again, it's probably more of a romance thing, um, but, I, I, you know, people write a book a month, and I can't yeah. get my head around that. That, to me, is just baffling. I don't, I understand, you know, they're doing it full time. It's their, they don't have side jobs. They're not yeah, you know, yeah. getting distracted. They're working on that 38 hours a week, but... Yeah. I just think I'd get brain freeze if I tried to do that. I don't think I'd be able to actually just churn the words out quick enough. Do you know what no, I mean? No, and I don't know that I could either, but I, I think you're right, though. If it's if their full-time job um, and they would have such a such a good relationship, a trusting relationship with their editor, mm. they could. You know, I, I mean, I don't think I'd ever be able to do it that quickly, but, you know, that you you just they would just be writing it they'd be like you said with your first you know first draft of yours it just spewed out onto the page they're probably doing that and then sending it off to their editor and just got that trust relationship that the editor's going to fix it all up how they want it to be yeah they probably don't even have beta readers or anything like that just the first draft is the draft and that's it and then it's out and it it, i find it so impressive that people can do that i think wow you must be you know, the mindset of that must be really good to be able to sit down and know that you can just produce a book in a month like that. How cool is that? Yeah. And I, I guess, I mean, like anything, you would get faster and you'd get better. Um, but I don't know. I, I wonder whether it also would get a little bit stale to you. Maybe not. Maybe it would get less stale because you're you're in that world all the time and you're living it and it would be fresh and new. I, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I, I can do it. You wouldn't want to lose the love for it. I think that would be, yeah. But yeah. be a hard thing, you know. Especially if you're trying to write. I don't know if you've ever experienced it where you you're writing something it just doesn't feel right. Like I had a couple of false starts with with the second book where I was trying to take it in a direction and then it just wasn't it wasn't happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. And it was only when I sort of stepped back and took a little break that I went, "This is wrong. This is not." how this is supposed to go and I ended up scrapping a bunch of stuff and 
I would hate to be in a position where you've got that really intense time pressure, you know, that you can't make that decision. You yeah. kind of just have to go with the original idea because that's, you know, it's got to be done and you've written half of it and you've only got two weeks to go before it's getting published. Like, that's a, a frightening thought. It is, yeah, that you couldn't, you're right, you couldn't turn around and go, you know, that, that part that isn't working or that story that, you know, is now seems silly to me, I can get rid of, yeah. I think, yeah, it would be hard to to not be giving yourself time to to think about it, to, to step away and rethink would be hard too. So I don't it works for some people, but I don't know that would work for, for everyone. No, I think it's it's very successful for a lot of people and they make yeah. a lot of money doing it. Yes. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's definitely a skill. Maybe we'll get there one day. <laughs> Just be smashing them out. That would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I heard you sort of mentioning about pre-orders. You, you had sort of a, and we were talking about this just before the interview, actually, about you had an interesting idea about pre-orders for your second book. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. So um, it's it's quite a common tactic, but it seems to be pretty effective. Um, at the end of, you know, book one, you pop in a couple of the chapters, the first two chapters, say, of book two. Uh, the blurb and also a pre-order and it doesn't actually matter if the pre-order is a long time in the future because people don't tend to care they just tend to click if they want the book they'll just click on it you know and okay yeah that's it it's done it's ordered now I can you know get on with my day um because Amazon actually lets you put pre-orders um as far as 12 months out yeah and yep. you can bring them back at any time so you can you can get that book out sooner than 12 months they just don't like it if you push it back (laughs) so yeah so what I'm planning on doing and what I know it's quite common for a lot of writers is you just um at the end of the book you put a pre-order link you have it set 12 months in the future because you know you're going to get the book done within a year and then once you've got a better idea of when you're actually going to release it you bring that pre-order back to your actual release date and then you can advertise it with that date um yeah, and I yeah, I've seen lots of people do that. You know, you'll you'll have already pre-ordered the book, and then you'll see ad- advertised in a group or whatever, like, oh, you know, now releasing on this date, and you think, hang on, oh, I'll order that, and oh no, I've already got it, <laughs> I've yeah. already bought it, it's already done. Okay. Yeah, and so then that that just when it when it gets released, will just turn up in in your um, Amazon account. Is that how that all works? Yeah, well, it just pops up on your Kindle. So when you yeah. go and look in your Kindle library, you go, oh, yep, there's that book. <laughs> Yeah. I'd forgotten about that, but there it is. So I'll give it a I'll give it a read now. Yeah, look, I, I, mean, I think that's a great idea. I mean, one one it keeps <laughs> you, you as the author accountable a bit, um, and the twelve month thing I think is better than what we were talking about before of you know, putting the pressure on yourself of a few months. Yes, if you know, hopefully, if you are close to finishing your your book, your second book or your third one, I'm sure you, you should be able to get it out to people within that twelve months. Yeah, I think it's a pretty realistic time time frame for most people that you know to do it within a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just uh, that was sort of what we or I wanted to ask you about. The last little bit was really um, how can people find out more about your books and how can people um, yeah get your books and find out more about you. Yeah, okay. So it's up for pre order on Amazon at the moment. Um, it's called Ruled by Magic. Um, when you type it in, it pops up next to a children's book with a picture of a unicorn, which is a bit unfortunate, but um, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's on there. Um, and, you know, obviously the names are a Jay Black. And 
You can also find me on Facebook. I've got an, uh, an author profile on Facebook that's open. You can add me as a friend. Um, I've got a Facebook readers group, which is called Zara's Sinful Readers. And I'm also quite newly on Instagram. I'm still figuring that one out. Um, I've got about seven posts and about 200 followers. So I've got a long way to go with the Instagram, but it's getting there. <laughs> well, you're doing a lot, lot better than I am on the Instagram. I've got like, yeah, about two posts and about four followers. So yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> so, a bit of a learning curve compared to Facebook because it's so fast, you know, with Facebook, it's quite, it's quite slow and, you know, people kind of click on things a couple of days after you've posted it or whatever. Whereas with Instagram, it seems like it just flashes up and it's click, 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 and then it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's, yeah. yeah. That was, yeah, that was really good. Thank you. Um, so um, if people yeah, want to get in contact with you, so it's Zara J Black. Um, that, that was, that was good. Thank you for that. I'll see you around. No problem. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you again for listening. If you want to find out more about me or my books, please go to maxvictorbooks.com. And remember, that's Max with a double X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash maxvictor. And remember, that's M-A-X-X-V-I-C-T-O-R. See you next time. Happy writing.